Welcome to the exam room brought to you by the Physicians Committee. I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for downloading and giving a listen this week. You know, we all want to live longer. We want to be around to see our kids grow up and then their kids. We want to be able to get down on the floor and play with our grandchildren and then be there as they walk down the aisle to say I do. But it's not just about being there for those moments. It's about being there and being healthy. It's about living without the chronic pain and illness that plagues so many of us as we age. What if there was a way that we can have all of those experiences, make all of those memories, and do so with all the gusto of someone three decades younger? You know, there's a famous study the Adventist Health Study 2, it finds that vegetarian men live a decade longer than non-vegetarians on average. And vegetarian women, it's about six years longer. Well, today I'm going to be speaking with two experts on longevity. I sat down with these guys at the recent International Conference on Nutrition and Medicine. They have built their careers researching the keys to long life and have traveled to the places on earth where people are living the longest, many well past 100 years. Dan Buettner, he is a world-renowned researcher on those places, the places that we now call Blue Zones. And Dr. Bradley Wilcox, he was instrumental in conducting the Okinawa Centarian study. He really dove into what they eat, how they lived, and discovered what could be the closest thing there is to a fountain of youth. This is the Exam Room Podcast brought to you by the Physicians Committee, the weight loss champion Chuck Carroll here with you, still on location, still at ICNM 18. This has just been a phenomenal experience, so many people, so much knowledge being exchanged here, all pointing to the benefits of preventative medicine through nutrition. Now, my next guest is somebody who I've wanted to interview for a long time. I will tell you, sir, I am a fan of yours and nothing makes me happier than the fact that you are sitting across from me right now. So with that, we welcome Dan Butner to the show. Um, you, sir, are an expert on longevity. You uh, are all about the blue zones, the areas in the world where people have the longest uh, average lifespan. And I'm curious, man, how did, you, how did you first get involved in this? Because that's like such a fascinating topic to me. I'm a National Geographic fellow and have made my career for the past 20 or so years solving scientific mysteries. Mm -hmm. And it began with the collapse of the Maya civilization or human origins. Uh, but in 2000, I came across an interesting mystery uh, the World Health Organization named Okinawa, Japan, the longest-lived population in the world, longest disability-free life expectancy in the world. Wow. And I said, aha, now there's a good mystery. Because if you crack that, that's interesting to, interesting to everybody who wants to live longer and, quite honestly, be healthier. So I did an expedition there in uh, the year 2001. It was a big success. I reasoned if there are long-lived people in Asia, there must be long-lived people in 
Latin America, North America, Europe, around the world. And with a grant from the National Institutes on Aging and an assignment from National Geographic, I hired a team of demographers, so these are population experts, sure. to parse worldwide census data to identify verified places in the world where people are living measurably longest. And then because only about 20% of how long you live is dictated by your genes, the other 80% is something else. Interesting. We went about the process of reverse engineering longevity using established methodologies. So uh, the result is a big body of work that uh, we call Blue Zones. And um, it uh, resulted in, uh, I, I identified four areas, four of the five areas as being longevity hotspots. Uh, and um, teased out the common denominators, which I argue amount to de facto formula for longevity. Right, right. So w- what are those common factors? Like, so you're playing Sherlock Holmes with longevity. Detective Dan is on the case. Yeah. So what, what are those common factors that you were able to extract Yes. There? So first of all, you don't get it by interviewing people. You get it by synthesizing studies and data and meta-analysis and so forth. But... Um, you know, germane to this conference, uh, 90 to 100 percent of their uh, caloric intake every day is from plant-based sources. Mm-hmm. Uh, the five pillars of longevity diets around the world are whole grains, which includes corn, rice, uh, wheat, tubers, greens. There's 120 greens, most of which we'd never seen. Um, places in Ikaria, they, they, they make beautiful pies out of greens that we would weed whack out of our backyard. Oh, wow. Um, tubers, and then or n- nuts, and then beans. Okay. All right. So I, w- I argue that a, about a cup of beans a day will add about three to four years to your life expectancy. Really? Beans alone? Any particular bean? or There's, a, there's an argument for black beans because the uh, same thing that makes beans black are what make blueberries blue, and that's a very powerful antioxidant but in general if you're eating beans you're getting fiber um, you're probably mixing it with the grains so you're getting a complete protein Mm -hmm. so it's a much better source for protein than you know beef or pork or fish and um, there's all kinds of other micronutrients selenium and magnesium you get in beans it's uh, they're cheap they're sustainable they're good for the environment you can make them taste good uh, every culture in the world has a bean recipe. It is the best superfood there is and so vastly under-celebrated. I'm on a one-man quest to make beans cool again. All right. Dan the Bean Butner. All right. Um, let me ask you this, man. So you said that there are pies in Korea that are made out of weed, essentially things that we would weed whack out of our own gardens. Have you tried these pies? Have you tried Yeah, so it's Ikaria. It sounds like Korea, but Ah, but this is a Greek island. Good deal. So they call it Orta. Uh, So they're things like uh, chicory or dandelion, uh, which is actually a very powerful diuretic. Um, Fennel fronds, which we chop off and throw away. Uh, They'll they'll bake them in kind of a phyllo dough and and. Um, put savory herbs in there, a little bit of olive oil. So you can probably kind of imagine what this tastes like. It's actually very delicious, mm. uh, pungent. Or the greens with a, a little bit of lemon, a little bit of oil with greens. You know, secret to making greens sure, taste good are sure. herbs and oil sure. or spices and oil. So, um, um, yeah, they're, they're, there's just this vast 
culinary palate that we overlook uh, that are, is almost always plant-based. Um, it, it has the uh, phytonutrients and the, and the um, uh, vitamins and calories we need to live, but most importantly, it's delicious. Yeah. Most important ingredient in any longevity diet is taste. I could tell you that the healthiest food on earth is natto, which is fermented soybeans. It looks like balls of snot. <laughs> but if you don't like natto, you ain't going to eat it, sure. and you're not going to get the benefits. So, um, you know, the trick with plant-based food is to make it taste good, and longevity food is, is uh, learning how to cook it and cooking it in a way that you're going to eat it every day. And is natto like the food to eat as far as longevity? Natto is a great longevity food. It's okay. eaten in Japan. Yeah, they're for, for, fermented soybeans, and they're all gooey and, yeah. Uh, are you like snot. Are you, are you a natto guy? I am. I love it. It's an acquired taste. It's, right. it's bitter and, you know, very high umami factor. But, yeah. Well, let's, let's talk but, a little bit. But, but yeah, I want to make something clear. What I hate, actually, the fr- term superfood. Okay. If you hear the term superfood, you know there's some marketer trying to sell you crap. Um, or sell you the what what makes you live a long time is eating the right food every day for a lifetime. Not trying to identify this one food. If I eat a lot of it today, uh, I'm going to be healthy for the next decade. It's not the way it works. Most of the time, it's avoiding the food that's bad for you rather than trying to load up on too many nutrients. Uh, 70% of the world will die of a chronic disease. My, 50 years ago, most of the world died because of undernutrition. Today, most of the world is dying because of overnutrition. Wow. So we want to we, we kind of focus on engineering certain foods out of our diet more than we want to figure out how to get more superfoods into our diet. I'm done with that rant. I can't let you off the hook about uh, natto, natto, whatever. N-A-T-T-O. I got to go back to this because this to me is fascinating. The whole just prospect, the idea of eating something that looks like snot, not exactly super appealing, but you have piqued my curiosity. So how does one eat this? Like, what is the dish? Well, in America, if you go into a sushi, a good high-end sushi restaurant, and you ask for natto, and it'll it'll come looking a little bit like an ice cream cone. It it comes in a seaweed cone, this you know sort of seaweed wrap that you put around uh, sushi. Uh huh. Um, it'll so it'll have a little bit of rice in the in the at the bottom of that cone, and then on the top it'll have these gooey. You know, they're a little bit bigger than a BB uh, brown snotty mass. And um, uh, I love it. People who love it really love it. Right. It's a lot. It's like black licorice. Not everybody <laughs> loves it, but those who love it really love it. All right. All right. So listen. Here's my challenge to the listeners. If you know a place in the Washington D.C. area that serves natto, please let me know. Tweet me at Chuck Carroll WLC. Shoot me an email. Whichever. I'm going to be on a quest to get the natto. Oh, you'll get tweets. Yeah. We're, yeah. we're, we're going to come back. We're going to do a whole show. On natto. It'll be the natto <laughs> show. It's going to be fantastic. <laughs> and then the natto channel. You know, it'll push ESPN out. I'm right, sure. <laughs> right. I love it. Natto TV. Um, real quick here, I, I want to wrap up because nutrition obviously is a huge part when it comes to Blue Zones. But when I saw you speak 
a number of years back, you also talked about people who live, I believe, especially in Okinawa, had a purpose in life. It was a, a purpose-driven life. So they had a reason to get up every day. Is that, is that true? Okinawa, there's a, they don't have a word in their vocabulary for retirement. Instead, this word ikigai imbues their entire adult life. So, Famously, the founding director of the National Institutes on Aging, Robert Butler, did this landmark study that compared people who could articulate their sense of purpose to those who were rudderless in life and found that those people who had a sense of purpose were living about eight years longer than people who don't have a sense of purpose. And what you see in these Blue Zones hotspots around the world are populations, cultures that have vocabulary for purpose. So it's it's it comes with mother's milk. It's not something that they, they go to some seminar and learn, but it's they grow up with it. So Ikigai in Okinawa, Plan de Vida in the Nicoya Peninsula of Costa Rica, in Ikaria, where we're talking about, they have a very strong sense of island pride. Um, if you find an Ikarian, I-K-A-R-I-A-N, an Ikarian, um, they will dis- self-describe not as a Greek, but they'll self-describe as an Ikarian first. There's only 10,000 peop- Ikarians on the island of Ikaria, but there are 15,000 people in America that gather every year for an Ikarian cultural fest. Huh? That's how strong it is. It's, it's, people feel it in their blood. Yeah. And it's that purpose that keeps you eating the right way, keeps you taking your medicine, fuels you to working out every day. Um, people who are rudderless in life, they don't have the, the propulsion, the, the, the uh, gusto to do the right thing. So it's, it's, we overlook it because we can't package and market purpose to you. But it's every bit as important to living a long time as taking a supplement or going to CrossFit or right. one of these other um, sort of uh, hyped up yeah. marketed yeah. methods for getting healthier. Um, now, I can't let you go without talking about something that you just poured a whole lot of your time, effort, energy, sweat into in creating. And it's something that I think that a lot of people will be interested in, especially given the fact that we just talked a ton about nutrition, including natto. Um, and that is the Blue Zone Meal Planner. So talk to us a little bit about that. So at the end of the day, if you don't know how to make plant-based food taste good, you're not going to eat it. So... Uh, a National Geographic photographer, David McLean, and I spent about two years going back to all the Blue Zones areas and finding the tastiest recipes. They're all 100% plant-based. Uh, they've time-honored ingenuity have been put into each one. They've been eating these same foods for 500 or 1,000 years in many cases. And um, this uh, meal planner uh, makes it easy to make, easy to order, easy to sort of create grocery lists, uh, easy to plan your week around uh, verified uh, foods that will help you live to 100. Outstanding. Um, it's at bluezones.com. Right there we go, bluezones.com. <laughs> All right, so here's the deal: we're gonna we're gonna end this interview now, but we're gonna come back. I'm dead serious. I'm gonna try natto. I'm gonna get you on the phone. We're gonna talk about it for 15. But let's do a 15 minute thing on. Natto. I love. It. I love. It. <laughs> All right, so stay tuned for the natto show. This is the exam room brought to you by the Physicians Committee. <laughs> 
the exam room podcast brought to you by the physicians committee rolling right along here at icnm 2018 a thousand people descending right here beautiful washington dc learning about preventative medicine through nutrition now a lot of us want to live forever that's not possible but what is possible is to extend your life and not just extend it but lead a high quality life at the same time and so somebody who knows a little bit about that dr brad wilcox welcome to the show my pleasure to be here you are an aging expert sir i am aging yes (laughs) (laughs) you look young well hold on you live in hawaii though right yeah but you know that sun takes its toll on your skin my vitamin d levels are awesome but you know, starting to get a few wrinkles here oh, and there. Whatever, get out of here with that. That's why they got makeup, man. But you were just telling me before we got rolling that Hawaii actually, the residents there have the longest average lifespan of any other state in the U.S. Yes, Hawaii is the number one long-lived state, and it's uh, number one in many other markers of healthy aging: physical activity, eating good food, that kind of thing, healthcare. How does that compare to a place that you really know a lot about in Okinawa? That's where you've done a lot of research. So when you look at the diet there, the lifestyle there, how does it compare to Hawaii? And I guess more broadly, the standard American diet. Well, interestingly, a lot of the uh, descendants, you know, the immigrants to Hawaii came from Japan and Okinawa. And uh, they've continued it at least in some modem to preserve the lifestyle so there people are still pretty active people are still eating soy foods and lots of vegetables not at the level they were in okinawa or in japan a couple of generations ago but still enough to give us a little bit of edge on other folks in other states right on so let's kind of walk through uh your studies here in my notes They said key in on inflammation and how that relates to everything. And I know in doing this podcast, like I've learned a lot about that and how a plant-based diet really significantly reduces inflammation Mm -hmm. in the body. I thought that that was really good for athletes in particular as far as recovery time from injuries. But it sounds like that also then plays a role in longevity. Absolutely. Inflammation is so important in in aging and it, it I will call it one of the primary drivers of the aging process. In fact, it's become so important in uh, aging research in the last 10 years. There's a new term. It's called inflam aging. (laughs) Clever. (laughs) What what, what is the correlation there? Well, basically, your body um, makes something called cytokines. So there's dozens of them, and it's the balance of pro-inflammatory versus anti-inflammatory cytokines that's important. And and that is determined by your genetics, in part, but also very much by whether you're physically active, whether you eat lots of plant foods and other healthy foods, uh, whether you drink coffee, green tea, things that are healthy for you. Um, and if you look at, say, the level of... There's a common inflammatory factor called C-reactive protein. And it's measured with a lot of other risk factors in in your doctor's office. And if you get your CRP tested, the normal range is supposedly below 10. Okay. Occasionally, if you have an infection or something, it'll drive up higher than that. But you really want to be as low as you can on that marker. If you're below 1, 
you have a consistently uh, in studies uh, better uh, odds of living longer and living healthier so if you go get yourself tested if you if you're below three you're, you're in the, kind of the golden zone if you're below one or undetectable you're you're on the path to longevity decent shot of being a centurion at that point you have a good chance well <laughs> you know that that of course you're on the path to centenarianism there you if, go if you will there you go but some of us you know there's other factors going on where i don't think all of us can live to be 100 but i think a good chunk of us can so you mentioned diet and, and lifestyle a little bit but what is the secret sauce truly to getting that number below the one or at least below the three in that golden zone that you were talking about well i you know i think that um myself for example my c-reactive protein is undetectable and i like that and try I not can to still hit the table. <laughs> Got to interrupt you. Try not to hit the table. We oh. don't have shock absorbers here. Yeah, okay. All good. No more hitting the table. No, can't be doing that. That'll shorten your lifespan. <laughs> so the I think the key is to get checked regularly and try to at least drive yourself below three. Mm-hmm. Um, and do it by eating lots of plant foods. You know, foods that are rich in anti-inflammatory compounds like omega-3 fatty acids. Um, sweet potatoes are really a strong anti-inflammatory vegetable. Um, greens, um, drinking green tea, coffee also. Um, and getting, like, not doing a marathon every week, but regular kind of mid-level physical activity. Sure. Yeah. Let's key in on Okinawa. Sure. Talk to me about the average lifespan there, and what is it, do you think, that is really spurring those long lives? Well, the li- average lifespan or life expectancy in the U.S. is, is about, it's close to 80 now. Okay. Which is pretty good. Um, but, you know, I think we're lucky if we're in the top 20 or 25 countries in, in the world. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people doing better than us. Now, if you look at Okinawa, they're the longest-lived region of Japan. And Japan is the longest-lived country. So they're the longest-lived of the lo- longest-lived. Um, and their average life expectancy right now is in the mid-80s. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. pretty good. Women, it's about 86. Wow. So a- approaching 87. So, But the life expectancy unfortunately is actually going down right now in Okinawa because you know life expectancy is a it's a number right right how much disease does each you know cohort have and what's their risk for death and the younger people are not eating the traditional diet anymore and uh, they're not exercising they're more obese so life expectancy relative to other prefectures or states as you will in Okinawa is approaching the middle of Japanese stats. Okay. So uh, it's not going in the right direction. Right. And we're all working hard to tr- turn that around. And that's why this conference is a great, a great thing because sure. we talk about things that can turn the, t- turn the uh, health around. But the, the secrets really in the, are still existing in the older generation. So if you look at life expectancy at, say, age 65, they're still far and away the top in Japan right. and the top in the world. And those people are still eating a lot of sweet potatoes, they're eating a lot of vegetables, a plant-based diet, tofu, other soy foods, drinking a lot of, it's called sampine tea there, it's kind of like a jasmine tea. Um, they're physically active, they're gardening, you know, they're, they're connected to their neighbors, they're doing all the right things. 
Now, so it's important to study them. You talk about the life expectancy kind of dropping in Okinawa. It sounds to me like maybe that's uh, a result of the Western lifestyle kind of infiltrating over there. Am I correct in that assumption? That's a really good point. In fact, uh, it's, you know, I think we, we like to blame ourselves. Like Westernization, it's a bad thing. Um, and, you know, bringing in white bread and other stuff is not a good thing. And that has happened in Okinawa. But there's also the uh, Japanization of the Okinawa diet. So they, the, the main grain in the old days was brown rice and millet. And the number one carbohydrate was sweet potatoes, kilogram a day of sweet potatoes, okay? And, and in Japan, it was always white rice. So now the Okinawans are eating a lot of white bread, a lot of white rice, which has the glycemic index of sugar, table sugar. Right. And, uh, you know, basically packs on the fats and also drives inflammation higher. So the younger people are doing that. The older people are still trying to stick to it. They're doing what they're used to, right? Right. So... Okinawa was, was the first place to get a fast food restaurant in Japan. Oh. Yeah. Okay. I won't name it, <laughs> but their concentration of fast food restaurants is probably higher than anywhere else in Japan. Yeah, you can t- probably take a pretty educated guess on that one. Yeah, so it's not just sort of the, the westernization, it's the, the Japanization. So you got so the, the Okinawans, they're just sticking to the tra- traditional plant based diet. The older folks are doing great. It seems like the foods to avoid here are. Relatively obvious, obviously, take fast food off the table. But what about some of the foods? We mentioned sweet potatoes specifically, but what are some of the other foods that are really good for promoting longevity? You mentioned rice as well. Yeah, I mean, in my experience with the the data, um, soy foods are really good. I mean, the Okinawans have the best tofu I've ever tasted. You can actually, I don't know if you ever tasted hard tofu, it's not that hard, right? Okay. It's kind of floppy. You put a little soy sauce on it, and maybe you like it, maybe you don't. But there, it's almost like cheese. It's thick. It's made with seawater, and it's really high in calcium and protein, and it's really good for you. It's the only tofu I can actually eat, just with a little bit of soy sauce. Right, right. And enjoy it. But they, you know, so they've got the highest tofu and soy consumption in all of Japan, probably the highest in the world. So you're getting all these healthy you know, plant estrogens and other phytonutrients from the tofu as well as, you know, it's, it's good for your microbiome, etc. But that being said, it's the whole combination. Lots of uh, green and yellow vegetables, lots of squash and, and uh, tubers and, and then the sweet potatoes we talked about. And then uh, they, they still have a moderate consumption of fish, so mm-hmm. they're getting fatty acids from that, healthy omega-3s. Um, and you know that's sort of the, you know, drinking green tea. It's kind of it's kind of the balance that they got going on. Right. So it's not one food. It's not one thing. It's a balance. The glaring omission, based off of our entire conversation, and, and this I'll leave it at this: is I haven't heard about meat beyond the fish, and I haven't heard about dairy. So it doesn't okay. seem like those are big factors in their diet at all. Yeah, you know, that's that's correct. The dairy was never a big factor. They they have a little bit of dairy now, uh, but in the old days it was very minimal. Right. Maybe they would have, you know, if you could call it goat milk or something, dairy. That, right. You know, <laughs> right. <laughs> that was what they had in the old days. Meat was always part of the traditional Okinawan diet, but it wasn't. It was more like a garnish. It was not a main dish. You mm-hmm. didn't call your, your dish, you know, I'm going to have 
pork today. Right. Or I'm going to have beef or I'm going to have goat or whatever. It's like I'm having this dish and it happens to have a little bit of meat in it. So the, the amount of meat they had was minimal. They would say they they liked pork because the, the diet was influenced a lot by the traditional, you know, southern Chinese diet. Um, and... They would. They said in the beginning of the year they had their, you know, their New Year's festival, right? Mm-hmm. Sometime I think it's in January or February, the Chinese New Year, and they would slaughter a pig, okay? And then they would, pres- they would have a, a festival and eat some pork that day, and then they would preserve it. And throughout the rest of the year, they'd have a little bit garnished here and there, but it was always minimal. So they were never like strict this, strict that. They're not about excluding foods. They're about balance. So they had a huge portion of plant foods, and they achieved the right balance. And, again, final question. You talk about meat. You talk about dairy. It's my understanding that both of those are tied heavily to inflammation, mm-hmm. and ergo inflammation tied heavily to longevity. Mm-hmm. seems to me like they go hand in hand. Yeah. I mean, it's all, I, I think it's all about balance. I mean, if you're drinking a gallon of milk a day and eating you know, six pounds of beef, you're going the wrong way. <laughs> But if you have a burger once in a while, you know, and your C-reactive protein is good, you might be able to tolerate it. I'll leave it at that. Dr. Brad Wilcox, you're the man. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks very much. My pleasure. And that, my friend, is how to live longer in a nutshell. Many thanks to Dan Buettner and Dr. Brad Wilcox for their time. You know, living longer starts by taking care of yourself. It's about fueling up with nutrient-dense foods that keep the complex machine known as our body running in peak condition for many, many years. Think of it like an old car whose odometer has rolled past 300,000 miles and just keeps on going. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe to it and leave a rating, a nice five-star rating and comment, and then share it with a friend. You know, who wouldn't want to keep those loved ones around with us as we grow older? Maybe they can learn a thing or two as well. Hey, be sure to follow PCRM on Twitter at PCRM and search for the Physicians Committee on Facebook as well. And I'm at Chuck Carroll WLC on Twitter and search me out on Facebook. Look for the Weight Loss Champion. Before we go, I want to say cheers to a longer and healthier life. I am the Weight Loss Champion Chuck Carroll. Thanks so very much for listening. (laughs) 